0: Fire podcast. Nick and JP are here. We have lots of NFL news. We have finishing up David Lynch's discography, filmography.
1: I've been looking at (laughs) records too much. How are you, JP? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about all the movement that's been going on.
0: Yeah, I have to say, I was so into the NFL free agency that. Honestly, watching the last David Lynch's film, Inland Empire, it kind of just washed over me. But we'll try to get some reaction out of that. Um, Should we just kind of dive through? I mean, I I have lots of big and small NFL stuff. Do you just want me to throw names at you and you kind of do some instant reaction?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at your list here. Let me
0: first start. This has nothing to do with fantasy, but shout out to Carl Lawson, an Auburn hero. You know, he went to the Bengals, and I don't think he really did very much. Um, but he signs a three-year, forty-five mil deal to the Jets. Man,
1: 30- absolute, absolute round of applause! Holy crap, <laughs> that's a lot of money. That is insane. Thirty
0: million guaranteed. Um, you know, I still remember the uh, fourth-down stop that he had on our in the kick-six game. I mean, he was our hero many a time, and. Anyways, I had to give him a shout out. That's just huge for him and his family. Um, yeah. Let's get to some fantasy. Let's let's go to the biggest one, probably, which was Kenny Galladay going to the New York Giants, seemingly taking that bag, getting the cash money. I don't have his, his um, salary in front of me, but big, big bucks.
1: Man, I'm, I'm sure it's like, three years 37 million or something like that. I want to say it's more than that.
0: but I mean that what is that team? That team is RIP to Darius Slayton. I mean we just we just talked up Carl Lawson and we got to go to another Auburn guy, Darius Slayton. I thought there was a chance, but now I mean he just gets thrown into the mix. Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. Of course, Saquon Barkley is going to get his in the passing game. Then you have some random stuff that could actually still be relevant. John Ross signed, I think, was just a one-year. I mean, he's probably done, but he's an incredible speedster, which is, I mean, Darius Slayton's kind of supposed to be that deep threat. So who knows what's happening there even Dante Pettis from San Francisco came along and he's, I know he's been hobbled, but he was a second round pick just a couple of years ago and showed some flashes in San Fran and then freaking Kyle Rudolph gets released from the Vikings and he's there with Evan Ingram. So like there are just so many mouths to feed and then who's feeding them? Daniel Jones in a, I mean, I don't know. Kenny Galladay was like a, you know, third round pick last year, fourth round pick, maybe. Where is he now, man? What is that team like to you?
1: I'm scared of him. And by the way, it's, it's four years for him. Um, 72 million. <laughs> I don't think he's worth that.
0: <laughs> Averaging 18 a year. That's ridiculous. That is. I mean, he showed incredible talent, but he was injured just last year. He was injured, and, I mean, he was playing on a ferociously pass-heavy offense with no other weapons. I mean, Marvin Jones was fine and TJ Hawkinson okay, but he was like an easy alpha. You know, he really didn't have to beat many folks out. So I think there's a little left to be proven there. I totally agree. I'm super scared.
1: Um You know, I'm in on Saquon, though. I mean, versus all these other people and (laughs) Kenny, like I'm I'm scared of Kenny at his average draft position. And then I'm I think Saquon's average draft position is fine. Also, I think Sterling Shepard is a target monster. I think he continues to be a flex option. So, really,
0: that means that all of the miscellaneous pieces, Evan Ingram, Slayton, I mean, it can't it, – there can't be a fourth option on this team. It's got to be Saquon, Kenny Galladay, and and uh, Sterling Shepard, then, in your opinion. So, man. Yeah, in
1: my opinion. I could be wrong.
0: I mean, you're looking at him
1: versus – John Ross is um, – For all intents and purposes, the Golden Tate. Yeah. No, I agree.
0: I mean, looking just kind of throwing people around here. Are you taking a Kenny Galladay or are you going to take a Tyler Lockett in Seattle?
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's... I'm never taking Tyler Lockett <laughs> I ever.
0: Are you taking Cortland Sutton or Kenny Galladay?
1: I'll take Kenny Galladay over Cortland Sutton. I think you like T
0: Higgins, but T Higgins versus Kenny Galladay. That's tough, man. Mm-hmm.
1: You're not going to, that's not going to be a decision that you're going to have to make. Yeah. He'll go, he'll go far ahead of T Higgins.
0: I hope so. I hope that he's like a fourth rounder where I can just be like, no way am I going in on that train. Cause I mean, moving to a different team is already tough. But when that team kind of stinks and the defense isn't that horrible, yeah. All right. We we agree. It's gonna be ugly. We'll see how his it shapes up. But you and I kind of see him more as like a six rounder or something like that around the T Higgins mark. But yeah, and he's not
1: gonna go then. No, he's gonna well, be long gone.
0: Let's talk about his former teammate, Marvin Jones, probably much less relevant, but, you know, he had some flashes. But he goes to the Jaguars, man. I mean, everybody was talking about the Packers picking him as their their perfect complementary piece as a wide receiver too. the Packers. I mean, I want to talk Alan Lazard and um, MVS at some point, but, man, they're just refusing to buy pieces there. Um, Marvin Jones, the Jags. You know, LaVisca, Chenault, and DJ Chark are there. You're going to have a new quarterback, probably Trevor Lawrence. He's dead, right? Marvin Jones is dead for fantasy or no?
1: Um, somebody's going to have opportunity to stash him for the season. I feel like at least one of these three guys is going to be relevant. I'm not going to pretend to know which one.
0: I have to imagine Chenault and Chark go probably in the ninth, 10th round and Jones, maybe they all kind of go in the same, you know, 10th round Mark where you're trying to take a flyer. I don't think I'm Mm going to do, I don't think I'm going to do it there though, man. I think I'm just going to probably pick up like a quarterback at that point.
1: I I would love to take a flyer on Chark in the ninth.
0: Yeah. Chark. I've heard um, I've heard differing opinions between Chenault and Chark. I mean, Chark's had a bit more of a pedigree for two years now, but um, it's just so tough when you have a rookie quarterback, man. I mean, who does he develop with? You know, I guess I don't mind after you know after the seventh round, do what you're going to do. It's okay. Let's talk some other ones. Let's talk Ryan Fitzpatrick to Washington. I know we were talking about Washington and especially Terry McLaurin and being like, man, who can they get? Like who else is left? And I kind of forgot about Fitzpatrick. I honestly, I thought he was like on a beach drinking Mai Tais or whatnot, but he goes to Washington, man. It should be pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. Fitzpatrick is like in rare form right now. the, They wouldn't let him play in Miami. So, and I'm excited about Antonio Gibson. Once I heard about um, Fitzpatrick, I was excited to draft him and and Terry McLaurin. And, you know, I like Cam Sims. He's going to be someone you can pick up, like, for free. At the end, people just, he's just not on people's radar.
0: You think Cam Sims can either beat out the newly acquired Curtis Samuel or they have such different roles that it won't really matter about the Curtis Samuel? I'm scared about Cam Sims.
1: Yeah. Like I said, you take him super late. Curtis Samuel, I don't know. Maybe he's a bargain.
0: Which one, Samuel or Sims?
1: Samuel. Hmm. Uh, he's got to go in between the three.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: He's in the middle somewhere.
0: Yeah, he's probably like a seventh rounder, and Cam Sims is like what we were talking about, ninth rounder or so would be my mm. guess. I yeah. mean the, the team or looks, even after. Yeah. The team looks so sexy, man. Fitzpatrick, McLaurin, Samuel Sims. Logan Thomas at tight end showed flashes, and then you said Antonio Gibson, and honestly, my personal love child, J.D. McKissick. He he's going to steal targets, but um, but the problem is, man, that defense is so damn vicious that uh, I just don't see too. I mean, the pro, The crazy thing is that Fitzpatrick doesn't care, and he'll just throw it even if they're up fifteen points. But it seems it seems like there's a lot of value there, but also. I guess I'm going to be a little bit hesitant um, like Terry McLaurin. Is he like, is he, is he worthy of like a fourth rounder at this point?
1: I and would say probably
0: you're taking Terry McLaurin over like Robert Woods.
1: I think Terry McLaurin probably like is Robert Woods or something like that. <laughs> okay. All right. Apples and oranges.
0: Like you're going to take Julio over Terry McLaurin, right? I think I
1: have to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. But man, he is getting pretty high up there. If he's in like the Adam Thielen kind of area,
1: I'm I taking, I think I might take him over Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm.
0: I think I'm going to pick Thielen there. I don't know. I'm pretty excited by Thielen. I think he's going to be a little bit of a value here. I'm more excited about Thielen. But, if he uh,
1: is, if he is going to be a value, like, if he ends up having a great year, then that'll be a great pick by you. People are pretty down on him coming into this next year.
0: Yeah. I, I recognize the danger symbols, but that offense, one of the best things going for him is that the offense is staying almost the exact same. So um, when pieces don't move around, you can be a little bit more secure about what the output should be, but well, excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Um, Man, we talked up Jonu Smith last week as if something was going to happen, like he was going to have any sort of limelight, even with Cam Newton throwing the ball. And then he got about 30 minutes before Hunter Henry was signed to the Patriots, too. Now it's it's probably just all hands off on, on any player, any tight end there. Or, are you still excited somehow?
1: No, I mean... Again, if someone wants to do, like, a bench dash of one of them, it seems like Belichick's trying to relive the whole two monster tight end days with Hernandez and and Gronk. But these guys aren't Hernandez and Gronk, so.
0: Well, I think more to the point that Cam Newton's not Tom Brady, so he just can't, he can't fit it into those pockets, so. I guess it'll be it's more fun on an NFL level, you know, like everybody's kind of excited to see that team, I guess, try to emerge from the ashes, but yeah, for fantasy, not going to take any flyers on either of them personally. Um, Andy Dalton to the Bears and Mitch Trubisky to the Bills is the backup. Ugh. Bears fans just clawing their eyes out right now. <laughs> Yeah. God, Robinson. I mean, if it's Andy Dalton going to the season, like we saw him play in Dallas, and it was not good for fantasy, man. Ugh! Like Robinson feels feels almost like it in a no fly zone for me. Just so many I, moving pieces.
1: I don't know. Like I'm gonna know.
0: take I'm gonna take Thielen over Allen Robinson at this point. Oof. I mean, the targets are going to be there, but God, this is, I mean, I know it's coming, it's going from Mitch Trubisky and Mitch Trubisky was heinous. So I guess anything is staying either staying the same or a slight upgrade, but it's a new offense to him. So now he's got to do like learning curve and stuff. Oh, buddy. Yeah. tough situation.
1: I yeah. I, I think I want to go with still the, the tried and true get it over that one.
0: Um, Some, some small news. I feel like there's some small news that could actually be kind of important. Malcolm Brown goes from the Rams to Miami in a backfield that honestly shouldn't be that hard to at least get a part of, which is miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. I mean, Neither of those players scare me. And honestly, Malcolm Brown has shown some stuff at the Rams. I'm not, I'm not going to like call it here, but that's an, that's something to be aware of heading into the preseason. If we see him getting reps, I would not be surprised if they don't draft somebody. I'm not surprised if he's, if he kind of comes out as the one and, you know, the offense doesn't look that exciting. But if, you know, if Tua can run a little bit, that opens things up for the RB. And Miles Gaskin had surprising value last year. So, again, it's probably Gaskin's job, but just be on the lookout if that changes.
1: Yeah, uh, it's pretty risky to um, invest in that, but I feel.
0: Oh, no, yeah. I, yeah, it is risky regardless. Even if, you know, if you draft the day before the season starts, you're probably not going to get a clear idea. It's probably more like, I mean, even if you see a one, they're probably like a running back three on your lineup. And that's still feeling a little risky. But we got Emmanuel Sanders going to the Bills on a one year deal. Both you and I were kind of excited on different sides of the Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis side. Um, we thought John Brown would leave and he did. He went to the Raiders. We can talk about that. But man, I feel like besides Diggs, I don't think I'm going to die for any of those three between Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, or Gabriel Davis. Are you, do you think somebody could emerge as a clear two there? Are you staying away as well?
1: Yeah, it's looking too murky.
0: I agree. Um, John Brown though, like is the, is the wide receiver at the Raiders? So maybe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, Darren Waller is the wide receiver at the Raiders. That's true.
0: That's true. (laughs) But they don't throw it to the running backs very much there, and the defense isn't that good. So They just
1: caught a new running back, didn't they? Oh, God. Kenyon
0: Drake to the Raiders to play behind Josh
1: Jacobs, in front of Josh Jacobs, to To the side. To ruin Josh Jacobs.
0: (laughs) Poor Josh Jacobs, man. The hype was so unreal coming out of Alabama even though he really had never been their workhorse he was like their pass catcher or whatever but super hyped did okay you know but never showed insane amounts of skill and plus injured all the time um I mean could Kenyon Drake like win this backfield just out of skill I don't think so but out of you know Josh Jacobs just always being banged up could easily see it happening I mean I don't think the offense is going to be that great. So a handcuff there isn't too exciting, but yeah, this whole situation is just a mess, man. I mean, I guess I'm okay with John Brown on just a flyer because we saw Nelson Aguilar do some things last year and I kind of see them the same, just like super fast. Um, I could see that being like a little, you know, third to last pick or whatever in my draft, being a John Brown pick just to see if, There's some big games, you know, to plug in once in a while. Yeah. Jamal Williams goes to the Lions as the backup to DeAndre Swift. And I had been a little low on Swift regardless, you know, new quarterback, um, not a good team, probably won't score much, no wide receivers really. And now Jamal Williams comes in and he was fine at the Packers, you know, caught well. (sighs) Man, DeAndre Swift is starting to scare me a bit. Can you boost my confidence? Are you feeling the same?
1: Not really. I mean, I've always kind of wondered what the whole, what the big deal about DeAndre Swift was. I kind of get told by the talking heads that he's like, like a second rounder or whatever. Totally agree with you. But um, you know he. I don't hate him. I probably won't take him in the second round. Seems
0: high. Yeah, seems high. I mean, are you going to take DeAndre Swift? You're going to take Antonio Gibson over him, right? Yeah. You're going to take – hmm. We can throw in some news here as well. Chris Carson re-signing at Seattle. Would you like Chris Carson over DeAndre Swift? I don't think so. Hmm.
1: James I'm not on Christian. Robinson. Coen. Yeah, I'll take James Robinson.
0: Okay. Clyde Edwards a lair over DeAndre Swift.
1: Hmm. I don't want him. Probably want Swift.
0: Um, okay. So he's probably he's probably right
1: there. There's probably some wide receivers that I'll take over him. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I agree, man. The more I I know that we've kind of said that it's it's so top heavy at running back, but Man, I just feel like there's some decent little value to come after that, that stretch. So, yeah, I think we're seeing eye to eye there. Um, AJ green goes to the Cardinals. That's probably doesn't matter at all. Um, Juju comes back to the Steelers. And I know that Deontay Johnson was just our fantasy, our daily fantasy darling, uh, particularly yours for a little while. Juju's back man, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool there. Is it messy there, or do you still feel decent about Deontay Johnson in a redraft league, like a season long? How are you feeling about that core?
1: I still feel pretty good about Deontay. Okay.
0: And just Juju and Chase Claypool kind of eat from each other, and it's not, it might be like semi-valuable because they don't have a running back and nor a tight end, but yeah, I guess I'm kind of in on Johnson and then, like like we've talked about, kind of flyers on Juju and Claypool. Do you care, like, do you have a say on which flyer you would take between those two, Juju and Claypool?
1: Um, I think Chase Claypool is a better player than Juju. Yeah, and maybe like, more important to the offense, bigger plays. Yeah, I just think he, he's a beast. If he, wherever he's at, he's going to be, like, the center of attention. I mean – Deontay Johnson obviously is the center of attention, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: mean, whoever, God, if they can get a good running back there, it would be insane because it's going to be, there's no way you can stack the box against this wide receiver core. It's just nasty. Yeah, I actually agree. I would take Claypool over Juju as well. Um, Will Fuller, kind of sad, goes to Miami to play with Tua. Kind of dead to me. I mean, he was our sweetheart for a while last year, and now he's, probably going to be off the drugs and with Tua. So just feeling, just feeling kind of dead to me.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: You got Marlon Mack. Go ahead. I'm sorry. If you got thoughts on Will Fuller.
1: I've got a soft spot in my heart for Will Fuller. I know
0: he was a hero for us, man. He won us so many games last year, but yeah, a new situation, a bad quarterback, no drugs. Could be pretty rough. Um, Marlon Mack, I was a little surprised. He stays with the Colts on a super cheap little backup deal. Shouldn't scare Jonathan Taylor away. If anything, it's kind of nice for Jonathan Taylor that they're probably not going to go anything further than that. And, you know, he's a clear backup. So Jonathan Taylor, very much a first-rounder for me with this news. Yeah. Another small news, Gerald Everett going to Seattle, tight end for the Rams. Didn't really get to do too much with um, that other tight end who I cannot remember the name of, but anyways, playing second fiddle there a little bit, but he's a, he's a pretty good athlete and Seattle, they like to throw to the tight end historically last three or four years. So maybe some sneaky value there is just kind of a, you know, last round. If you kind of bailed on tight end or you're scared of some sort of injury from a tight end, I don't mind having him on my team to see what plays out there. Yeah. Yeah, we talked Kenyon Drake. I mean, Kenyon Drake is. I'm not going to draft Kenyon Drake. If Josh Jacobs falls to like a, you know, fifth rounder, I'd be cool with it because I still think he is going to be the one. I mean, Kenyon Drake has to adapt to their system and whatnot, but um not gonna be on Kenyon Drake as like a flyer. Uh we talked Mitch Trubisky as the backup to the Bills.
1: The Go ahead. the new the the running back on uh The Cardinals, though. What's the guy's name? Oh, yeah. Chase Edmonds. Edmonds. If they don't get somebody else,
0: oh, baby. Yeah, he's got it all to himself. Oh, man. And they've improved that offensive line, and the wide receivers are nasty. Kyler Murray, you know, demands respect from the linebackers. Chase Edmonds, if he goes in as the one,
1: he's really good. He is good. He's great. So he is
0: good, but they don't, you know, they have, they're going to want to fix the defense in the draft but i wouldn't be surprised if they made like a third or fourth rounder on a running back and kind of made it a bit of a battle in training camp i think he'll emerge as the one and man where does that put him like does that put him into the kind of back end of the second round for you as like the as like a you know top 12 top 13 running back
1: maybe it It could be really sneaky. Like if you could snag him in the third round or something like that, that could be really sneaky.
0: Like Chase Edmonds or DeAndre Swift we were just talking about.
1: I'll take Chase Edmonds, please. I
0: think I would too, man. That's crazy that that he's been. I mean, he, he had the role a little bit to himself when um Kenyon Drake was hurt last year. He didn't do too much, but you know, when you it's different when you go into a season knowing that you're gonna be the guy, you know, and you can really scheme for yourself. It's it's way different than just being, you know, having your shoulder tapped and be like, get in there, figure it out. It's quite different. So yeah, I agree, man. I think he's kind of a back end. Second rounder, early third rounder. That'd be crazy. Um, We didn't really talk too much about Chris Carson, but it's nice that he's staying in Seattle, um, you know, injured a lot, but touchdowns potential and bruising back. That's what they say they want to do. So if they don't draft anybody else, he could be a nice little, you know, third rounder as well, back into the third rounder um, in Seattle. I don't think he was going to find much better in free agency. I mean, if he went to Miami, it wouldn't be as good. So for him, it's awesome to stay there. Uh, I think everybody was kind of hoping that Seattle would draft somebody a bit higher up, but uh, it's nice for him. Philip Lindsay goes to the Texans just to muddy the water. Now it's David Johnson, Mark Ingram, and Philip Lindsay. Like, oh, God, that's rough. I, I'm still thinking. I want David Johnson on my team because he showed good pass catching last year, and the defense sucks. So I'm still kind of in on David Johnson. Are you? Where are you? Are you kind of off at this point, or where are you feeling? I don't
1: know. I, I feel like I'm putting my feelings, my feelings about the Texans, on hold until we find out what's going on with, uh, with the quarterback situation.
0: JP, that is playing it way too safe, man. You've got to make some hero calls right now so you can say, like, I told you so, David Johnson, 10 catches a game. Come on. Come on. Yeah, That's-
1: I mean, he's the best value out of the three. There you go.
0: There you go, man. to right. be. right.
1: He's got to be around, like, uh, mm, you know, like, I'm trying to think someone to acquit him to.
0: In terms of like when you're picking in your fantasy draft. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be David Johnson or somebody like Miles Gaskin if he's if he goes in as the kind of front runner at Miami. Oof. It's gonna be like Leonard Fournette, where he ends up. Um it's gonna be it's gonna be Ronald Jones down in Tampa Bay.
1: Well, I definitely take him over all those people. So,
0: <laughs> okay. Would you take uh, David Johnson over Kareem Hunt? I don't know. I couldn't do that. I'd pick Kareem, Kareem Hunt, Hunt is sure. a little bit more of a sure thing. Yeah, I'd pick Kareem Hunt for sure. I think I'd pick Ronald Jones over David, J- David Johnson as well. Um, Virgil. I think I'd probably take David Johnson over Miles Gaskin, but it's a little ugly there. All right, you're right. We should should wait till things settle up. Um, And now we've got three players that don't really matter, but might, they might be sneaky um, players. Dante Moncrief goes to the Texans to partner with Brandon Cooks. We've seen the wide receiver two at the Texans be valuable. Dante Moncrief still seems to have some juice and again, the defense sucks and they have no running backs. I mean, they have three running backs, but they have no running backs. So Dante Moncrief, man, I'm I'm okay on like a 10th round flyer for him, man. It could be exciting there. Um, mm. you've got some Deshaun Jackson is still somehow alive. He goes to the Rams, where you know, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, but now. Deshaun Jackson, I guess, is just somebody that they want to have run down the field every single time and open things up for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I don't see Deshaun Jackson being any sort of fantasy relevance. But if he, you know, if he ticks up 15 yards for either Woods or Cup each game, I guess I don't mind him being there.
1: DFS flyer. It'd be a
0: little DFS flyer. You're right. And if Cup or Woods, especially Cup because he's had injury history, if he goes down. I don't mind a little, you know, waiver wire pickup of Deshaun Jackson in, in season long and just try it out. If you're on buys or whatever, you're struggling for a little, little flex boost. And then finally, Mike Boone goes to the Broncos, which I think just solidifies um, Melvin Gordon kind of getting a little excited about Melvin Gordon, man. I, He just seems like such a sure thing at this point. He seems like their guy. It seems like the team wants to focus on the run game. I'm going to be kind of in on him as like a, you know, middle to back end third rounder kind of excited by him. All right. yeah,
1: I would like to get him in like the fourth round.
0: Yeah. Fourth round Melvin Gordon. I feel like feels pretty good. It lets you like get a wide receiver in those first few rounds and maybe even like Travis Kelsey and a wide receiver and kind of feel fine going in. So excited to see where he lands up. He could be a nice value. Whew, that was a lot of names. And I love, I'm so excited about fantasy football every single time. And as I said, that news kind of clouded my judgment on the last David Lynch film Inland empire, but let's dive in, man. Let's talk it up a little bit. Um, do you, this, this is one of, is this the only film of his that you had not seen or, or had you seen this? Give, tell me your side of the story.
1: Yeah, I haven't, I hadn't seen it until just now.
0: Okay. So, it, so we're both going in fresh. Did you look up anything on kind of the story or whatever or history or anything?
1: Yeah. I listened to some people's takes on it, but everyone seemed like a little. F- <laughs> I, did, I didn't like what anyone was saying and um
0: <laughs> you mean like takes on it as in like
1: analysis i analysis. guess i got you okay. um, i
0: wasn't sure if you had heard like why david lynch made this movie or where he was in his life i mean i think it was huh, it was like four know. or five years after mahalan drive which i think mahalan i think mahalan drive got him like an oscar nod i think as like a you know Director, I'm pretty sure he got an Oscar um, nomination. So, coming off of that and doing this film five years later, man, I guess before I say my initial take, what is it? What is your kind of initial take, just overall on the enjoyability of the film?
1: Oh, it's not enjoyable. I don't think <laughs> um, there are some scenes that like by themselves are pretty good and some connections that you can make from one scene to another where you can tell that it's referencing it and stuff like that and i mean there's some cool parts but this is this this movie is like really wild for sure like it's all over the place
0: I feel like maybe David Lynch just kind of overthought things a little bit or something. Like, I think he just tried to go a little too hard on it. I mean, Mulholland Drive, it toes that line of, you know, logic and pacing and understanding of what's even happening right now. And it it paces it, it. It draws that line decently but this film man like what in the world and and some of the things like I I have to say up front I don't know if it was the torrent that I downloaded but is this film like or at least the majority of it shot in like really rough resolution and it's like grainy Uh, or was that
1: just mine some parts of it I think maybe are one problem is the for me, the thing that I watched didn't have any subtitles for the foreign language bits and the things that I was reading about it were coming from people who understood what the foreign language was saying, which led me to believe that it's supposed to have subtitles there.
0: I'm totally with you, man. I It took me until about a quarter of the way through the film that I was like, hold on, like, there i have subtitles to this movie but i i just thought that they were the english subtitles which it turned out they were the subtitles and i hate watching english films with subtitles on so i was like oh shit i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to either like toggle the subtitle every time somebody speaks polish or i'm gonna have to just keep them on i decided to keep them on but i missed out on the first like half of the polish talk so i'm kind of completely with you i thought for a split second that we weren't really supposed to understand what they were saying, but after a while it becomes pretty evident that there are full scenes where you're supposed to at least understand a little bit of what's going on. So, yeah, I think we're basically in the same boat there. Um, but there, there are some, like you said, there are some cool and funny and fun scenes in this movie. I mean, Laura Dern comes back obviously by now a David Lynch sweetheart. Um, she's in almost every single scene of this three-hour epic so she was working her ass off um but before i kind of dive into i guess my favorite scenes or least favorite scenes do you have any that kind of call you know flashback to you that that resonated with you
1: um i always like uh I always try to find the duality in these things because that's like David's favorite thing, like the good and evil, the good and the bad. Sure. And I I saw that they had a camera with the regular um, Nikki. Nikki is like the real girl. And then her character that kind of gets blurred. Like she starts kind of like, i guess like becoming the character of sue or whatever
0: something like that i I got a similar impression that you just said
1: so like there's that whole duality thing going on um there's this one part where the weird old lady wanders into nikki's house and starts telling her these weird stories they're like parables or something like that do you remember what I'm talking about? It's yeah, like towards this...
0: the beginning when the neighbor comes in?
1: Yeah, and one of them is about this girl who goes to the market or something and then she suddenly she's in an alleyway and that happens to Laura's character later on. She ends up in an alleyway after being in, like in a market but she parked her car there.
0: Yeah, that it's was just some... like a parallel. It was a good foreshadowing scene. And honestly, I have to say I was trying to take it kind of seriously because that actress, we've seen her in a few things. Like we saw her in twin peaks. We saw her in wild at heart or whatever. And then after like just one minute of, of David Lynch's like super zoomed into the characters faces, which he did throughout this entire film was just like, get all up into people's nostrils. I was just laughing so hard at that scene, like the way she was talking with her accent in the stories and the way Laura Turn just like stares for and just like, I don't really like the way you're talking to me. I really like you to leave. And she just keeps saying this weird shit. I was really cackling so hard. And at that point, I thought for sure that this was going to be like, you know, somewhat of a comedy throughout. I mean, kind of just an absurd comedy unfortunately you know the next two hours were were really not uh, were not comedies at all but yeah that scene resonated with me i thought it was absolutely hilarious really
1: and then the locomotion scene with the horse bro that one was pretty good that that one didn't do it
0: for me man i thought that was i thought that was just a little too out
1: of place dude Oh, I don't know.
0: Like compared compared I mean, to the
1: foot gun. It definitely was out of place <laughs> on purpose.
0: I know, I know. And I don't mind like randomness, not random, but you know, unexpectedness, but that kind of took it to a whole nother level. I was like, I'm kind of done at this point. But then compared to the ending scene, like the rolling credit scene where they not, not copy, but it's a similar kind of, choreography i love that scene man that that was a great ending credit scene where like one of the um dancers like sings lip syncs to the music i don't know why i saw those two scenes so differently but that one did it for me for some reason
1: yeah i guess i guess i saw it as like laura's character is watching them have a lot of fun doing the locomotion thing right and then them disappearing all of a sudden kind of symbolizes how they can die hmm. or just disappear at any moment because they're just like prostitutes. Yeah. Um I think that's really all that I was going to talk about. Whew. Those scenes are pretty good. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's this one part where Laura um she's Nikki's running at the camera and it like freezes on her face and it's really weird facial expression. She's screaming. And then at the end, when the um, when the phantom is coming at her and she's shooting him, hmm. that weird face from earlier that she made is like superimposed on his face. Right. And it's really creepy when it happens.
0: Oh, that was awesome. Spooky. Yeah, that was a redeeming ending. I was was getting a little exhausted by that point to be honest, and then yeah, when um when she shoots the I think it what didn't it start off as like the husband who was walking towards her or no?
1: It might have, but I think in both of the realities this guy plays someone called the Phantom because he has the ability to to hypnotize people.
0: Mm, okay.
1: They talked about how he has a he would hypnotize people at the bar or something like that it's really hard to follow
0: oh i missed i i missed that entirely but yeah i i like that phantom scene as well all right well out of three hours that not many scenes uh resonated too too well with you um i you know i have a soft spot for the director in the movie I don't know why, but that actor—he was what I know him from—is Kingdom of Heaven, that movie about the Crusades. Did you ever see that film?
1: Mm, it's got uh, so.
0: it's got what's his name from uh, Lord of the Rings. It's the,
1: you're talking about the guy who's like always with Harry Dean Stanton in this movie.
0: Yes, the direct the director, the kind of guy with the beard yeah. who talks a little strangely or whatnot yes exactly um yeah i don't know why i just i kind of like him as an actor so i i kind of gravitated towards his scenes where he's either talking to laura or he's doing the film i just think he's a solid actor so i appreciated him in this um we did have harry dean stanton with some with some very small parts but he still he still does okay you know talking about uh what the hell was that? No, there's somebody back there. I yeah. think it was all right. Freddie. <laughs> um, we had Justin Thoreau come back, who kind of confused me at first because he was, you know, a director in Mulholland Drive. Now he's an actor. He did all right, too, right? Like when he's being kind of felt up a little bit by the husband and intimidated, I don't know. He's got an acting style that, that I enjoy where he, um, I don't know, he just cheeses a bit, but then he kind of takes
1: it seriously and he, he looks pretty cool while doing it all. And this was Yeah, like, he's like this guy who's going to get your wife to cheat on you with right. him or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think he plays the bad boy all right. You know, he shows some depth and stuff. I was cool with him. Um, the whole rabbit scenes... Dude, those did not do it for me at all, man. I, I maybe, I guess there's like supposed to be some meaning there, I guess, but I just didn't really capture the essence. And yeah, I wasn't into those rabbit scenes, dude.
1: Yeah, the re- so there's like an accompanying web series that you're supposed to watch with the movie or whatever. What? yeah it's called rabbits oh my god are you are you serious yeah what yeah so he there's that's david for you i guess
0: so How, how are we supposed to you're just supposed to like google that or was that in the film somewhere
1: i think it's available like somewhere that's so strange okay I think it's on HBO. I think it I think it's on HBO Max. Weird. Okay. Have you
0: looked at that?
1: Yeah, back in the day, I <clears throat> I tried watching the rabbits thing and it was pretty weird. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, man, it was it was a little exhausting. I mean, there were it was just it came up so many times. There must have been 10 rabbit scenes. And I was just yikes to the whole part. So, Um, you know, the husband infidelity and then like him protecting his wife from it all. I was just like, I'm not really into this either. Um, The girl crying, watching the TV screen and that kind of like coming back to be Nikki, something like that, where they're hugging and kissing at the end not my favorite. Uh we talked about the foreign neighbor. I definitely think that was one of the highlights. I actually also liked the the weird kind of fat murky guy who listens to Laura Dern talk for a while and just stares at her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's he's like her conscience or something. I have no idea.
0: I don't know either, but dude, I was kind of into that. Like <laughs> I don't
1: know why, but He's like, I don't know why I'm here, but here I am. <laughs>
0: yes, and he just stares at her like a psychiatrist. But I was, I was into it, man. I like those scenes. They were kind of grimy. They kind of reminded me of, um, of his first film, Eraserhead, where it's that kind of griminess and hard to, hard to follow. I don't yeah. know. I was
1: cool with it. Looking back, Eraserhead is like very good
0: it was it really was it was it was maybe unfortunate to start at such a high point i think there were there were similar high points i think that blue velvet and maholland drive into a, a lesser extent straight story were all in and, and wild at heart i really enjoyed as well so but yeah starting at racer head man it was it was good you're absolutely right yeah um the screwdriver stuff not not really for me, I guess. Um, again, the ending was was pretty cool, like the wild-looking dude in the uh, dance scene. I was in for some of it, but overall, you know, I kind of shake this one off as, as a b- bit of a loss here. But uh, any uh, final thoughts for you from this film? No, not, <laughs> no, no final thoughts. With a whimper, man, with a whimper um where do we go from here we we finished up david lynch do we want to i mean we can i guess talk off off web if you want to but do you want to keep going with a film discussion i mean i think free agency really is going to die down pretty quickly and we're going to get the draft season but i feel like we're going to want some content man Where, where are you feeling moving forward
1: If we don't do like more film then we can just do some just general discussion about maybe just uh, not specific films, but just like film in general. And uh, we'll see, we'll talk off, off pod about it. Yeah.
0: I'm really open. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind, um, going through like a tv series that maybe is like a 10 episode thing if, if there's something that's been on on your wish list uh, or film I'm, I'm game as well and we we couldn't stride away from filmographies we could just do kind of here and there films that we've really wanted to both watch or we one of us particularly loves to film but uh all right well we'll leave that unannounced and we'll uh we'll kind of surprise next week but uh exciting free agency news, man. It's always fun to talk fantasy and David Lynch. um, And we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week.
1: All right. See ya.